it spans across continents and time zones and there's no travel restrictions and you don't have to sit in a stuffy economy seat for, for eight hours to get to the conference. You can just take the kids to school, come back and switch on the computer and you're at the conference. That's mind blowing. Welcome to Virtually Live by Kaltura. In this podcast, we'll try to sum up all the latest and greatest in marketing and specifically in event marketing. To help us do that, we've invited prominent marketing and business leaders to share their most important lessons and give their best predictions for the coming years. In episode five, we're getting down to business. Gong CMO, Woody Ledegor, talks to Kaltura's VP Business Development and Partnerships, Noah Oron, about the effect virtual events had on sales, salespeople, and sales leads, and how all that affects us marketers. Hi, everybody, and welcome to our next session at Virtually Live. Virtual, hard selling, or easier? My name is Noah. I'm the Director of BizDev and Partnerships at Kaltura, speaking to you live from my apartment here in New York City. With me today is Gong's CMO, Udi Ledegor. With 20 years of industry experience, Udi is a true marketing veteran. He's been VP marketing at five public and private companies before joining Gong, and he's also the author of The 50 Secrets of Trade Show Success. Hi, Udi. Hi, Noah. I'm coming to you live from my home office here in sunny San Francisco today. I'm very excited to be here today. Lucky you. Nothing like San Francisco and New York combined all in one conversation. One of the benefits of speaking to you virtually. So what else can you tell us about yourself and Gong? Uh, so I've been with Gong for five years now, and uh, it's the fifth company that I've built and headed marketing for. So uh, I guess five times is a charm for me. Um, I live here in San Francisco with my husband, Guy, and our three children, Tom, Noah, and Adam. We're all originally from uh, Tel Aviv, Israel. We moved here three years ago as uh, part of expanding Gong into the West Coast. I must say that I, I love the name Noah <laughs> for one of your kids, uh, but I'm probably biased. Um, so in, in one line, because we are uh, going to talk about it more, how has COVID um, affected Gong? And I know it's a big question. So I would say that uh, in the headline version, I would say personally, you know, it's been a, a tragedy for so many people and uh, some of our gongsters, their family members have been affected and either gone sick or, or worse. And uh, they've had to move out of, of the Bay Area to go help families. So it's, it's, it's been very rough personally. And also it's been tough being away from our team members that we enjoyed their company so much. On the business level, um, COVID has actually triggered an acceleration for Gong. And we have been growing at more than double um, of the, the revenue, the, the team members, the customers every single year. And, uh, and we've seen an acceleration during, during COVID because as sales teams across the world have become remote sales teams, distributed sales teams. So they're not only away between the sales team and their managers, but also between the, the salespeople and their customers. They've been searching for technologies like Gong's revenue intelligence platform to help them better understand what's happening in their customer interactions, how to uh, better their sales skills, and how to save deals before they go south. So we, we can't complain from the business perspective. These last 18 months have been very good for Gong. And can you tell us a little bit about how has marketing efforts and your event strategy changed? Of course. So back in uh, March of 2020, we were... Literally packing to leave for another roadshow in April. We just come back in February before COVID from a tour of uh, New York, Toronto, 
uh, where else did we go? Boston and Chicago, I believe. And we were about to go to the uh, Midwest with, with other cities and uh, suddenly COVID hit. And we're not the kind of team to sit back and wait for too long. And it took us about a week to say, okay, we don't know when this is going to end. We still have revenue targets to meet. We still have people we want to meet and engage with. We're going to go virtual and we've never done it before. And uh, within two weeks, we pulled together our first virtual event that we uh, broadcast in April of 2020, which was probably one of the first virtual events in the industry, if not the first. And we saw that thousands of people showed up and some of them stayed for six, seven hours because they were having such a great time. They were getting education, they were getting entertainment. And that's when the penny dropped that this is something that can really, really work. And even though the level of engagement that we see at these virtual events is sometimes not comparable to the level of personal engagement you can see in a live event, the sheer number of the people that we can drive to these events make the math work and we can actually create a ton of engagement. So when we do, uh, you know, talk about the buyer journey compared to these physical events, um, how is it different now with virtual event? Maybe not just for Gong, but in general, um, how is that different? How is the buyer journey different during these events compared to the ones in person? So I think for the organizers, the two main things have not changed. What's going to determine the success of your event is the quality of your content lineup and how relevant it is to your audience. And two is the attendee experience. And attendee experience is everything from the technology platform that you choose to use, how easy and intuitive and familiar it feels to your audience, and then what the entire experience looks like. Do I feel like a VIP from the moment I show up till the moment that I leave? Am I having interactions with other people? Or does it just feel like a library of pre-recorded webinars because nobody has any patience for that anymore? So I want to have interaction with the hosts or with the entertainers or with the panelists or with my other um, attendee peers that came to the event because I want to replicate that that feeling of going out of a great session and having someone to share my experience with. I want to go to the bar with someone and order a coffee or a beer and talk to them about, oh, what a great session. What did you think about that part when she talked about that or something else? And the more you can recreate that in a virtual environment, the more engaging the event's going to become. Um, in Gong's virtual event, we've we've thought about every tiny detail just like we did in the in-person events before that. And we know that people need bio breaks and they need some time to have lunch. So instead of assuming that they're just going to sit there like zombies for seven hours and watch uh, session after session, we provide these pre-planned breaks where we have some light entertainment going on so they don't close that browser. Uh, and we know that they're going to come back. So we brought live musicians that are playing music while you go get your lunch. We brought all these different experiences from a cocktail making class to, to wine tasting to uh, Q&A with uh, VIP speakers at the events. Everything we can to recreate that interactive, engaging experience that people are craving for so much. And um, I know that even you yourself, a little bird, told me that you brought your friend Kermit to one of your talks to make well, it always, more always. I mean, I've got I've got a little Kermit here, but I, I had a bigger version that co-hosted uh, one of our celebrate conferences. I, I Kermit and I go way back, so yeah. I think, I think <laughs> always, a, always a good idea. Yeah, I mean, we we do we do a bunch of crazy stuff at events, and that's that's what becomes memorable. That's the stuff that people tweet. You know, if if you have to ask people really hard to tweet something, it's probably not that exciting. But 
when I when I shared the stage with Kermit the Frog or one of our last conferences, uh, Nisha, our community manager, she dressed up in a full evening gown. I was dressed up in my smoking jacket and bow tie, and we emceed the whole event for my piano, uh, doing uh, musical interludes in between the sessions. That's stuff that people talk about. That's stuff that they stay for because it's exciting. It reminds you of the old days when we actually got dressed up, put shoes on, and, and went out to a live event. I'm definitely going to remember that next time I, I talk to you on a live event to make sure to make it special and to dress up with something. I'll, I'll, I'll find something or we'll plan it. Um, when we talk about the customers, you know, um, what, based on what you're hearing, at least from your customers, how have virtual events changed the roles of sales and marketing teams? So I think at live events, salespeople felt like they had a bigger part because they could come, they could set up either in a meeting room or at a booth if it's a, if it's a trade show or a conference, and they could meet customers and have demo meetings. I think it's possible but challenging to replicate some of that experience in a virtual event. We've actually been doing it. So at the events that we've organized, we set up virtual booth where we have our salespeople giving demos and meeting customers, and we also invite sponsors from the industry. So this is also a revenue stream for our marketing team. And we've, we've, we've made good six-figure income per event in the last year by bringing in uh, other industry leaders who are complementary to Gong Solution, and they want to meet our audience. So we let them set up a virtual booth, and some of them have come back three, four, five times because it's been such a great experience for them, because they know we're going to engage the audience, the numbers are going to be there, and people are going to come knocking on their virtual booth, asking for a demo or pricing information or just to meet someone from the team. So that's at the event. But I think one of the most overlooked part of the event is the post-event follow-up. And that's where a lot of companies fail, I believe. And, and this goes back to in-person events as well. So many teams, they get so tied up with... Um, making it to the event deadline that they don't don't get ahead of the curve and they don't plan the post-event follow-up and then the event maybe finishes on friday everyone goes out for drinks and is happy and then over the weekend someone might send the the lead list to, to marketing ops to upload in the crm on monday morning and it's already the middle of next week by the time they sit down to figure out okay what should we send these folks now that we just met last week at the event well, guess what? A week after the event, that's old news. Nobody remembers your booth if they went to 200 booths at the event. Nobody remembers who you are. So it's really, really important to plan the post-event campaign well ahead of actually going out to the show. And if you don't use a system that already integrates everything into it, like if you went to a live show and you actually got a lead list in an Excel sheet, the latest you, you upload that to your CRM system and cleanse everything is on the day of the event at the end of that day so that the next business day in the morning, you can send out the follow-up campaign where you know what the message is, you know what the offer is, you add some context of, hey, it was great meeting you at the show yesterday. I hope your kids enjoyed the tchotchkes that you took from the booth. Um, you were talking about this and this business challenge. When is a good time to follow up with you and talk about that? Now, if you do that with the right context and the right timing to the right person immediately after the event, you're, you're getting ahead of the 100 other vendors that are going to take a week to upload their leads and, and get back to the to the audience. And I think in the virtual world, it's even easier to get that right because you're all working in one integrated system. You're not actually collecting business cards like in the old world. It's all in the system. You have literally no excuse not to get that email out there in the next morning. So when we talk about the actual, you know, numbers, when we talk tachlis, would you say that this um, is helping sales really or is making them harder? Because, I mean, it sounds like it's much easier to follow up quicker 
when it's a virtual event, but have you seen anything really happening in, you know, in real life or, or from your experience with virtual yeah, events? Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're, we're generating MQLs, SQLs, opportunities and revenue from virtual events. It's a real thing. There, there's no argument whatsoever about it. Um, what, what I think is when, when, you, when you look at, the, at how it's different from the, the in-person events, so it goes back to the quality versus quantity, right? The, the good news, you can get 10x the number of people at a virtual event because it spans across continents and time zones and there's no travel restrictions and you don't have to sit in a stuffy economy seat for, for eight hours to get to the conference. You can just take the kids to school, come back and switch on the computer and you're at the conference. That's mind-blowing. That's amazing. It's so easy to join now and we've seen people join us from all time zones in the US, even internationally from uh, the, the UK and, and Dublin and we accommodate uh, and we started the live event earlier so there was like a Europe-friendly part in the morning and then a, a Eastern and then Pacific-friendly time in the afternoon. So you can accommodate for that. The quantity is there. Where I would say in-person events are somewhat better is in the quality of those engagements because you cannot easily take the customer for a one-on-one -on -one drink after the show like you could at a conference. And there's a way for compensating for that uh, in a virtual event. It'll usually be a small group setting and we always do a VIP happy hour at the end of our event. Usually we bring in someone who was like the, the VIP speaker. We recently had uh, Chris Voss, the ex-FBI hostage negotiator, talk about sales negotiations at the event. So everyone at the event could hear his public talk. And then the VIPs that we selected to join his happy hour got to meet him in a small room with, with 20 people. And they were taking his questions and it was absolutely fascinating. And everyone there like thought it was a really memorable event. So that's about as close as we got to taking folks out to dinner after the event. And this is a great initiative and it's a great way to do it. Do you still think that um, there's still more things that we can do to improve? I think the next natural step in the evolution are going to be hybrid events. So I'm of the opinion that fully in-person events are not going to come back at the scale that they were before because now that we have all this technology and we figured out how to use it, organizers will want to use it and attendees will expect to use it. So I think we're going to see events are going to become more local. So if there's a gong users chapter in Idaho, they might get together and have a small users conference there. But if I want to throw together a bigger national or international conference, the bar is very high now for what people are willing to get on a plane and travel and be away from their families for three days for. We're never going to have all the people that we need in a room together again. If you're an international company, if your customers are away from you, you're never going to have everyone in the same room. So just like we're getting used to the idea that every meeting is now a Zoom meeting, I think every conference is going to become a hybrid conference. And what my team is busy planning now, and we were hoping to roll it out this year, but COVID and the Delta variant had other plans. So hopefully uh, in the next quarters, we'll be able to do this. I'm looking at creating the best in-person experience that we can for a small live audience in a local place like here in San Francisco. And at the same time, broadcast the event to maybe multiple satellite locations. So I want to get my user groups in Boston and Chicago and Seattle in a location to stream in part of the VIP content. Because if I'm bringing Magic Johnson, like at our last event, I'm not going to fly him around five cities. I'll bring him to one city, broadcast that at television quality 
to the other cities and then have them add local content like local customer sessions and panels where they can get together, talk to customers. And then the third tier is going to be everyone else like you and me here at home. We can tune in and see what's going on in Boston right now and look at the Seattle stage. And I think that's that's the future of hybrid events. It's it's exciting. Absolutely. And I, I absolutely agree on that. Uh, do you still think that there are some misconceptions or have you seen, have you noticed any across the board oversights about virtual events and that shift to that remote buyer and customer engagements. I mean, speaking of the example you just gave, you know, some of those, these folks are going to experience these engagements uh, virtually while others are going to experience them um, in person. I think the biggest one is when sometimes marketers come to me and say, hey, Udi, I could really use your advice. I've, I've seen your numbers because we, we, we often publish our numbers because we've got nothing to be ashamed of. So we're like, for this event, we had 6,000 people show up and 3,000, sorry, we had 6,000 sign up and maybe 3,000 show up. And people are like, whoa, I've never had combined that number of people show up at events. And other marketers will come to me and say, Udi, I, I need your help. Like, what are we doing wrong? We, we can't drive people to, to our events like, like Gong does. And then I ask them, well, how many social followers did you, do you have? What's your email open rate? And they, they share their numbers and they're, they're very, very small. And I say, well, well, that's your problem. You're just not creating content in a way that's engaging with your audience. Why would you expect 3,000 of them to show up to your virtual event? I'm not doing anything unique there. I've just built a relationship with a really large following, right? Gong has 100,000 followers on LinkedIn alone because these are people who voluntarily tune in and want to read our content every single day. We post at least twice a day, and it's a great combination of educational material that's very easy to consume. Like in one chart, you can actually make your next sales call better if you learn what, what Gong is posting. And then we also have a cartoon series, and we have memes, and we have broadery, and we have it all. So you're getting this perfect combination of education and entertainment and distraction from work, which all of us need. And we do the same with our emails, and then we do the same with our virtual events. So we're bringing this li lineup that has some very serious sessions of thought leadership that you'll walk away having learned something new. But you also have attended a magic show or a, a truffle making class or, or just caught up with old friends in a, in a virtual one-on-one -on -one networking session. So you've got to create that relationship with customers. You, you can't just show up out of the abyss and expect 300 people to, to show up at your event if you've never built that relationship. So I think that is the biggest misconception about uh, how to correctly use virtual events and what they can and cannot accomplish for you. Absolutely. And I agree with every single word. I'm going to remember that too. Um, last, very last question before uh, we wrap it up. After a virtual event, you get a lot of data about your attendees, whether they were customers that you did have relationship before or uh, customers that are, that are new or maybe potential leads. How can follow-ups and nurturing be done smart using all of that data? Yeah, so definitely uh, one of the advantages of virtual events is that we have more data. We know when people were tuning out because they were on their emails and we know what sessions specifically they attended. And I think the, the smart marketers and salespeople are going to use that information because if you have eight sessions in the day and you know that this, this lead attended a specific session that was about a part of your product or about a customer use case, you'd have to be crazy not to use that in your follow-up, right? Because if you know that she attended that use case of how to use Gong for deal management, of course you should talk about that and not about how to coach your reps because that's the session she chose not to go to. So I think 
the, the generic emails of, oh, sorry, we missed you. Here are eight sessions you didn't come to. Now you can watch them. Nobody wants to watch those eight sessions. They chose not to show up for those eight sessions. They're telling you those were not relevant to what they're trying to solve for their business this year. But if they attended one session, that's the one you need to talk to them about. So just the more you hyper-personalize, the more you're gonna increase the connection rate, the more you're gonna increase the chances of getting that next meeting and ultimately the deal. Yeah, so take all of that data as be, and be as specific as you can get uh, with your potential leads. I absolutely agree with that as well. Woody, I could not thank you uh, more for this wonderful, wonderful session. I learned a lot. I hope that our audience also uh, learned more about virtual events and how you can improve sales and marketing using this great technology. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure, this has been fantastic. And everyone, thanks for coming and enjoy the rest of the conference. Thank you to our guest, Udi Ledegor, and our host, Noah Oron. Tune in next episode to learn about producing world-class content from a worldwide authority on streaming and media. Thanks for joining us.